0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Applebee Bermuda Shorts podcast, short talks on all things Bermuda and business. In this tech talk series, we are going to talk about what's happening in the world of tech. I'm Jerome Wilson, head of Applebee's technology and innovation practice in Bermuda. Today, I'm here with two wonderful people. The first is Vanessa Samuels. Hello, Vanessa.
1: Hello, Jerome.
0: How are you? I'm very well. And the second is a repeat, regular, 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 veteran, (laughs)
2: veteran. (laughs) podcast expert. I'll take any of those, Joe.
0: Okay, well, we're here with Hannah Tilsley, who is a partner of mine here at Applebee. How are you, Hannah? I'm good, thank you. Vanessa, for our listeners, everyone, is a senior manager at Deloitte in Bermuda in the forensics team. And is that under any department in particular, or is that just the forensic
1: team? It's under the financial advisory financial
0: advisory. Okay, well, we're really happy for you to be with us here today. As you will know, uh, our long term listeners, Vanessa is going to be our special guest today. And we're here to talk about forensic investigation. And in particular, how that relates to digital assets. And then more sort of globally, or stepping back from that a little bit, how that all relates to the Bermuda environment. So what does forensic, Investigations have to do with digital assets, and then with Bermuda. Before we get started, how is everyone today? Generally, you know, is it you know good day, bad day? It's
1: always a good day in Bermuda. Always a good day in Bermuda. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I can tell th- the listeners that today is indeed a good day. It's beautiful outside. It's a pretty sunny day, and we are not expecting any hurricanes which is a good thing thank god <laughs> or bad weather three <laughs> you've survived three <laughs> so so you know this is that just makes this time of year even that much more better because as you some of you will know it is hurricane season with that aside Vanessa tell us about how you got to Bermuda where are you coming from you don't have a Bermudian accent so I certainly
1: don't. <laughs> talk to us a little <laughs> bit about that So I am originally from the UK and my journey to Bermuda is, people ask me, why did you choose Bermuda? And I say, I didn't choose Bermuda, Bermuda chose me. (laughs) So um, if I take you a little bit back into my background, I have been in... Investigations slash forensic investigations for i would say just over a decade now oh wow, okay um, but that's not where i started <laughs> i started off wanting to be a fabulous family barrister um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we again. love a barrister on the podcast because <laughs> just barrister's are top notch uh. <laughs> but um I, I quickly discovered that wasn't really my path and Fair so enough. i fell into um insolvency quite by accident mm-hmm. and very quickly into a very niche area of insolvency, which is investigations.
0: Okay. And so for our listeners and those who may be interested in it, how does one fall into a niche area of of, of insolvency?
1: honestly speaking, my friend said to me, okay, you don't want to do that anymore. What do you want to do? I was like, (laughs) I haven't the foggiest idea. She says, well, these people are looking for someone with a brain you can read. (laughs) Go and do insolvency. Understood.
0: (laughs) Completely understand. I think that's the same for most insolvency practitioners. They kind of just like want to do something different and voila, there we are.
2: I don't think there's any like 13 year old kid who's (laughs) like, when I grow up, I want to be an insolvency (laughs) professional. I want to investigate. Those dodgy directors taking that money, (laughs) that's the that's the gig for me. <laughs> yes. that's Yeah, you definitely, you, you definitely accidentally fall into it, I think, usually.
0: So give us a little bit, a peek into what the world of forensic investigations is. When I think of forensic investigations, I think of like CSI, looking at the evidence and DNA and fancy graphs. I'm guessing the type of forensics you do is nothing like
1: that. That's not entirely true as well wow, okay. no, i I call investigations slash forensic investigations the sexy side of insolvency because yeah. you have all of those ingredients, so i've been very lucky to work on fairly high profile cases, yeah. and high profile usually means large quantum of claims and assets that have been misappropriated
0: okay, and your job is to trace them or to exactly. find them and
1: how does one really do that so let's if we just think about investigations start off with the first step of any investigation is to collate all of the information and in a nice friendly insolvency you would request this from the directors or the company officers and they would just hand everything over to you (laughs) and you'd say thank you very much everything i need to look at has been provided The reality of it is you never, ever get a full set of records. Understood. You don't, especially when there has been some misbehaviour. Right. So you you collate as much as you can and you start to, the next stage is you start to conduct the investigation. If you don't get any records handed over, you might make an application to the court to force those people to hand those documents, records, data over to you. Got it. Once you've amassed as much as you can, you start reviewing and if you find things in the documents, and this could be emails, it could be financial statements, bank accounts. Wire transfers, things like that. Yes, yes, yep. those are really important. If you see any inconsistencies or you think, oh, that's that's an unusual uh, transaction, right. you might invite directors or company officers for an interview where you might question them on the company's records and ask them to give a, an explanation for why the company has lost N million uh, What happened to it And it appears to have gone To your personal bank account Why is that So do you
0: have special powers Because it sounds like You're almost like A police officer
1: People usually think I'm a debt collector <laughs> Rather than a police officer <laughs> 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 or, so like, or maybe not a police officer But a detective d- Yes people normally think I'm a spy actually yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I I usually work Because work, I work On insolvent cases the office holder has certain powers mm-hmm. to request information um, from directors and company officers or um, third parties. Okay. And so they will exercise those powers to uh, collect the information and gather the data. Got it. So
0: basically you spend the time collating, collecting data, looking at it, analyzing it. I'm guessing that there might be proprietary tools that help, you know, the the human eye to spot inconsistencies, and then you then bring in people for investigations. And I'm guessing once those you reach a conclusion, do you kind of just write a report, or do you find that proverbial pot of gold in a bank account or somewhere, you know, hidden away, squirreled away, and then you kind of say, "Voila, that's where it is. Go get
1: it." So Bring it, it back. It's on a case-by-case case case basis. Understood. So um, once I've reviewed uh, documents and records, I will do a report on the financial ana- analysis that's been conducted. And if I can see that, um, I mean, in the UK, we would say preference claims and transactions are an undervalue. Um, anything that would evidence uh, an antecedent transaction. Understood. I would draft a report and say, these are the claims that I think that we have. Yeah. So um, let's see if we can bring those claims. Um, we would then instruct lawyers to assess the merits of those claims uh, and there is a, a you know there's a cutoff point the claims have to be of a certain value for it right. to be commercial to pursue them oh. uh, because at, at the end of the day um, the uh, office holder his first and foremost duty is to get as much back for the creditors.: Understood.
0: but then they may look at personal assets that are held by yes. directors in 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 the instance of corporate, and then I think you were you were telling us before that you know you sometimes do this also in matrimonial disputes as well.
1: Exactly. Yes. So um, where there are matrimonial disputes, and of course we have to divvy up the assets. Right. Sometimes, on occasion, um, <laughs> a spouse <laughs> decides that they would hide some of their as I've experienced, have hidden some of their assets. Uh, and that has often included, more recently, digital assets as well.
0: Right. You write a report and mm-hmm. then you get people to get the assets or make claims because they might be in different countries more, more often than not.
1: Yeah. So once we've identified assets, which we start at the, the paper trail, starts with the bank statements and company records, we would then try to locate those assets and sometimes, as you've you've suggested, those assets are not in the same jurisdiction. So there's a lot of cross-border investigations that happens as well, which means that we're often working with people in different jurisdictions, professionals in different jurisdictions. Got it. In order to realise those assets, if it's outside of jurisdiction, the office holder's status has got to be recognised. So that means there has to be an application to those courts. Depending on the courts you're dealing with, that can be a fairly quick process, or it can be very lengthy, (laughs) but it does depend on jurisdiction. Once that's happened, it then allows us to go into those jurisdictions and request information from third parties such as banks to support what we already suspect, or the land registry if we're looking at properties. So once we've traced it, we then try to recover it. Understood.
2: I'm wondering because when I when I practice as a barrister in the UK, I did a lot of insolvency claims on behalf of insolvency professionals where directors had transferred money to themselves or usually their family members in you know the period where the company was clearly insolvent. And it seemed to me that most of the cases I did it was fairly straightforward. Right, you get a bank statement, you see like a hundred thousand pounds leave the bank account of the company and go to you know the director's wife. And under English law, generally speaking, the director is obliged to explain themselves. And if they can't explain themselves, which invariably They couldn't. The money is repayable. I'm just wondering, sort of, you know, what's the sort of most? How long would those investigations take you? Would you most of them fairly straightforward? Like, there's no real, you know, the 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 director hasn't been too crafty, or are most of them like, no, you've really got to get into the weeds to figure out what's gone on here and try and sort of see the wood for the trees.
1: It depends on the director so some people haven't got the creativity that others have (laughs) (laughs) so um, I think that as I've progressed in my career I've seen more sophisticated types of misappropriation and layering Mm. so deliberately moving money around but through different people or entities to make it harder to trace So um, that would, which is why you then have to go through third parties and make sure you're being recognised. Got it. Yeah. So
0: it sounds like these investigations can be months long or years long. Years. Years.
1: I mean, to to make a recovery on an investigation within two years is a very good result. Really? Yeah.
0: And, And what's the success
1: rate? My success, like, rate. Oh, not not yours. One hundred percent. In general, guaranteed. I'm, to say. I'm up there. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. But it's
0: interesting. I find that actually, you know, this sounds like you know, sort of the the beginning of a international spy or sort of like you know, mystery novel to me. You know, investigations going to because more often than not, I would imagine. The, the assets are, are hidden Or you know Squirreled away in jurisdictions That are quite novel And interesting to be
2: Do you imagine Vanessa in like a cat suit, like walking through like laser beams, like like getting the diamond out of the box and then having to put it in the back? No, but I do imagine
0: her traveling to nice European cities and, you know, going to the banks and saying, knock, knock, here's my court order. Please let me see bank account XYZ. That's what I envision.
1: So I have never been allowed to be in the field. Okay. (laughs) No field (laughs) work. No, I've always engaged an agent, an underground agent, to go. Exactly as you've said Here's the court order Dear Mr. Bank Please provide all the statements Got it Uh, Please freeze this account Got Um, it Etc, etc But I've never had the pleasure Of of (laughs) being 008 (laughs) Understood
0: Understood Which brings us to something That you mentioned Digital assets And how that's now Coming into play Because of the nature Of digital assets And so you know, our podcast is based on digital assets and, and the courts and the sort of ecosystem. How, tell us what you're seeing and, and, and you know, just how that fe- factors into your sort of investigations and what you do.
1: So um, digital assets will are likely to feature in all of the cases that I look at, but in different ways. Got it. So in we refer to matrimonial disputes so they may feature in a matrimonial dispute because a spouse has hidden their, some of the funds um, in digital assets and we have to try and identify where yep. that is and how much. Understood. Um, in another case that's completely not related to, to digital assets, People, when people are misappropriating funds, they will push them somewhere where they can hide them because they think that blockchain is going to give them the anonymity. Anonymity, I can't say the word. Anonymity. Anonymity. So that will happen. Or, as has happened in my experience, an actual cryptocurrency exchange may experience a hack. Right. And then we go in to find out who, where, what. Can we get it back?
0: Understood. Okay. And we've spoken about that some some cases in the past and maybe you've worked on that some of the cases that we've spoken about. But um, I think that that is interesting because we're probably going to see or probably see more of that going on as the proliferation of exchanges and people using exchanges in the world grows um, because there are people who are crafty and just want to take what they haven't earned.
1: <laughs> people can be very crafty. So I just read recently there's a crypto streamer who had a live, he was on a live, and somehow he managed to disclose his private key, two private keys. Right. And he tried to shut down the live really quickly, and unfortunately, in the time that it took for him to try and shut down the live and then open his wallet to transfer his assets out, someone had already been in there wow. and wiped it out. And that was his life savings. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it was, I think it was about $50,000. So in the grand still, scheme of things... Yeah. Not so much but on a personal level, that's a lot, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot.
0: Would you involve the police as well?
1: Um, he would do that, I okay. would imagine, in the first instance, okay. rather than us. Okay. he can try and do that. And my understanding of what's happened in the last few weeks is they have made contact with the individual or that the wallet, sorry, that um has the funds, the yeah. funds, and some of it's been recovered. So, there is hope that all of it will be recovered. Uh, and he's managed to do that with a little little assistance without the assistance of someone like me <laughs> but on a larger scale yes we we might involve the police or might so, become involved
0: so You being here in Bermuda, you said Bermuda called you, it chose you, and with our sort of revolution in the digital assets and our aim as a jurisdiction to grow in this area, we have the licensing regime, we're building out the court functions and the sort of expertise there. You being here at this point in time in our history is not not coincidental.
1: I should like to think of (laughs) it. I I think people are trying to be um, proactive rather than reactive. And so for someone like me to come and help to set up a service line specifically for digital assets is trying to anticipate what might happen in the future. So at the moment, there doesn't seem to be any real issue in Bermuda. However, you can't legislate and regulate against every bad actor. Right. And in my experience, bad actors will appear. So they will hack into wallets. They will hack into an exchange. Um, they, As the live streamer, they'll steal a private key if they get the opportunity to. And that is when somebody like me will come in to try and trace the assets and recover them.
0: And And again, I keep on going back to this, but maybe not success rate, but let's say the 50,000, realistically, what's the... Sort of percentage that that um, you or you know that that practitioners in your area say is likely to be the average recoverable amount.
1: Well, it's all recoverable okay. uh, because it's all owed and due. But it's like litigation. Here's my claim. Are you going to enter into a settlement agreement with me? In which case, I'm going to have to take a haircut. Or are we going to go all the way to the end? And if the court finds in my favor, then all of it's due. Got it. Um, so it it as I said it depends so, it's, okay so case a risk by a case yeah.
2: How have you found working on the sort of recovery of digital assets? I can imagine, you know, often obviously the money is going from like the wallet of unnamed username mm-hmm. one to unnamed username two, and it won't necessarily be clear who the person is at the end of it. Maybe not even where they are. How have you found the sort of recovery of those kinds of assets versus the kind of like bank transfer, the kind of <sighs> classic? Disbursement of assets.
0: And and just to add to that, before you answer, what if it goes to a cold wallet that's offline?
1: So, these are challenges. These are the challenges that we face. So, um, it has been very difficult (laughs) in some instances because when people are being sophisticated, especially with crypto, they can just move it from wallet to wallet. They can put it through a mixer. Mm -hmm. If it goes into an exchange, then that's even harder because tools that are available won't necessarily take you through the exchange in the other way because you can't identify the asset as clearly as if it goes to a private wallet. Got it. If it goes into a cold wallet and just sits there um, we have an issue <laughs> because it's it's us offline.
0: Yep. As you said, you know, we're all kind of like growing the industry here and everyone's kind of doing the best that they can and, and, and sticking to standards that are going to hopefully prevent these things from happening but then the sophistication especially if it's like an organized criminal gang or something like that they're just always one step ahead yeah and so you know for those of us who are listening who have significant assets in crypto you know who are not sophisticated individuals we may wake up one day and just find our wallets emptied of fairly significant
1: sums it can happen also we should mention that it's not just crypto it will be nfts yep it will be other um assets it could be uh, as has happened someone stole the password to um an instagram account and had people pay them money wow. there's lots of different ways that um your online asset can be stolen and misused
0: and your the forensics that you do can help recover all of these types of different
1: assets that, that's that's what we aim to do. Yes, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I find that really cool.
2: How have you found it dealing with the sort of intermediaries in the crypto world? So presumably, if you have to contact exchanges or whatever to say, you know, this is our client's wallet. This is what we know so far. Can you help us figure out where it went? Is there, has there been? Is there like an openness in that industry to assist you, as there would be with a kind of classic classic bank, for example, or is there a bit of reluctance?
1: There's a lot of reluctance on yeah. some exchanges, more so than others is what I would say. Yeah. Um, uh, some have been helpful to a point, just, uh, just with banks as well, actually. It's very similar that some banks are super helpful okay. and they'll hand over the bank statements um, really quickly and others less so. And I've noticed they seem to be in certain jurisdictions, but <laughs> that shall, <laughs> remain, that nameless. shall <laughs> remain nameless. <laughs> indeed. Uh, but it is the same with exchanges. Some exchanges, I mean, they are cautious at first, um, but if you provide the the correct um, legal documents, then they will eventually hand over and there are some that just pretend that they never received anything. And then you have to make a decision. How much do we think went to that exchange? Is it worth continuing to pursue? Is it worth getting another order? Or should we just draw that to a a close?
0: Understood. And so the landscape in Bermuda, do you see that, what's your prediction for not just your area of expertise, but the ecosystem as a whole? Do you see, are you projecting and it's going to continue to grow? Or, you know, are you going to, you know, what is your thoughts on that?
1: So I think that um, Bermuda has provided what I think is a safe place for digital asset business and companies to come to because already there is regulation and legislation in place to protect and to weed out. As far as it's possible, the bad actors. So people are attracted to that, and that has inspired confidence in them. So I can only see that this area is going to grow, and it's going to it's, it's going to grow. That's what I think, um, and I think it will thrive. Yep. But I also think <laughs> here's the other shoe. <laughs> on the other side of that is once people are comfortable doing business in Bermuda in the digital as- asset space. That is when people will start to look at ways that they can manipulate that and they can come in and take advantage of a loophole of a certain type of business, of a certain type of product. And that's when I will come in. <laughs> but I'll already be here. <laughs> yes, you'll already be here. <laughs> um, how do we guard against
0: that? If, if there's any way to guard against it,
1: education, education. Is what I should okay. say. I would say working closely with people that are making the regu- writing the regulation, the policies and the law and saying these are the things that could go wrong. So let's put as many things in place to prevent that from happening.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's actually really sobering because you're right, right now we do live a pretty charmed life. Um, the industry's growing. There are lots of um there's lots of good feelings about it and the local population is starting to be more interested in it and all it takes is that one instance for someone to be scammed or um, ripped off or stolen have their assets stolen and it evaporates all of the goodwill and all the the trust that currently exists
1: exactly I think people would feel confident if they knew that there was also something in place that if it did go wrong, it could mitigate their losses.
0: Well, I, I do feel a lot better than knowing that, you know, we have an investigator Samuels on the case <laughs> 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 who can go and recover, if not all, substantially all of <laughs> the few assets that I have <laughs> in this area. So um, that does make me feel better. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much. It's been great having you. Um, it, It really is interesting, this area of forensics in general. I mean, I think that I would like to sit with you and learn some more about it sounds very intriguing maybe I'd fall into it (laughs) if my career in law doesn't work out you're
2: not allowed to leave this isn't a job interview you can combine (laughs) the (laughs) two
0: no but all jokes aside thank you for coming to sit with us today and to talk a little bit about what you do it is interesting and if there's anyone who's listening who would like to get in touch with Vanessa or myself or hannah our contact details will be in the show notes thank you again for your time and we hope that you enjoy bermuda as much as you know you're it is enjoying your being here so far
1: thank you very much for inviting me it's been an absolute pleasure